We read in God's Word again this evening from Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. We will later on be reading the part of the Lord's Supper form that teaches us about self-examination. In that part of the form, there are listed out a number of sins, which if anyone is defiled with those sins, he ought to abstain from the Lord's table, lest he partake to his own condemnation. That list that we have in the Lord's Supper form comes from the Word of God in part from Ephesians chapter 5. And so as we read through this chapter, I encourage you to look here for sins that will be listed again later on in the Lord's Supper form that would prevent one from partaking of the table. Ephesians 5, be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become of saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, 
and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. As far as we read God's holy and infallible word, may God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. It's verses 25 through 29 that we use as our text tonight, focusing especially on verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, we saw last week that the basic or fundamental calling throughout the New Testament Scriptures that God has given unto the wife is that she submit to her husband. Ephesians 5 verse 22, 1 Peter 3, Colossians 3, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. If it is the case then that the fundamental calling that God gives to the wife is that she submit unto her husband, then what then would we expect that the fundamental basic calling is that God gives to the husband? What complements the duty of the wife to submit? Would we not be inclined to think, and perhaps even want to think, that the corresponding calling to the husband that would fit with the calling that is given to the wife would be this, be the head, be the ruler, be the leader in the home. 
I call the wife to submit to you. That's the basic fundamental calling throughout the Scriptures. And now we might be inclined to think that the corresponding call that God would give to the husband is assert your headship in the home. I've called the wife to submit to you. Now the calling that I give unto you is show that you are the head. Show that you are the authority figure in the home. Perhaps even require of your wife. Insist of your wife that she submit unto you. But the Bible does not say that. And young women who are dating, if your boyfriend shows any tendency of going that direction, of saying, I am going to be the head in the home and you will submit to me and you will listen to my rules. I implore you, young women, flee from that man. The calling that God gives to the husband is not to assert his headship, his dominance in the home. But the corresponding calling that goes with the wife's calling to submit is love. Love. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Let's look this evening then at the love of the Christian husband. First, we'll see the standard that Christ has set for what it means to love. Second, then look more practically at the husband's calling to love. And then third, see the grace that is needed because of our inability to keep this commandment. The love of the Christian husband. Christ's standard, the husband's calling, the grace needed. We start by considering, beloved, what is the biblical idea of love? When the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit here, instructs husbands to love their wives, what does he mean by love? For us to understand the meaning of love, we must know that there are, in the original Greek, two different words, both of which are translated in the King James as love. And there's a difference between these words that are used in the Greek. Can we do well to understand something of the difference between these words? The one love that's used in the Greek, translated as love, is phileo. Phileo is a love that arises out of one's emotions. Phileo is an emotional attachment or a bond unto someone else. Phileo is having 
your, your heart be drawn to someone else because there's something attractive about that other individual. And so, almost spontaneously, automatically, you desire that individual. You have strong feelings for that individual and you want to be by that individual. That's phileo love. The other word in the Greek translated in the King James as love, is the word agape. Agape love. Agape love, in distinction from phileo, agape love does not so much arise automatically or spontaneously out of one's heart. Agape is not an emotional bond, an emotional attachment unto someone or something else. But agape love is a determination of the will. Agape love is choosing to love someone else. It is the conviction within my heart that I will love you. And the love that is required here in this text, and wives, you must not be disappointed here, it's not phileo, but it's agape. God does not require of husbands, according to this text, that they have hearts that are overflowing with emotional attachment unto their wife. But God is requiring here of husbands that they be determined to choose to prefer their wives. Now this does not mean, and husbands, let's be clear, and this does not mean that agape love is to be instead of phileo love. This does not mean that the husband can say, well, okay, I love my wife because that's my choice, but my heart really isn't in this relationship. No, it's not as if they're over against each other, but the idea is this, beloved, the requirement that God gives in His Word is consistently husbands are to have agape Love. You are to have that determination within your heart that you are going to seek this individual, this wife whom I have given unto you. Now with regard to the agape love that God requires of husbands, there's more that we can say here of this type of love. This love, we said earlier, determination of the will. It's a choosing to prefer someone else. But we mustn't stop there. Agape love is not limited to the internal desires of one's will, but agape love manifests itself, exhibits itself in outward words and actions that are revealed unto the one to whom you have this agape love. 
So in other words, one cannot say, well, I've chosen in my heart that this is my wife, and in my heart I determine to seek her good, but I'm not going to reveal that by my words and by my actions. No, this type of agape love begins internally. It's a determination of the will, but then it manifests itself in actions and in words. That comes out right here in this text. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. John 3, verse 35. Another example. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into His hand. He loves the Son and He gives to the Son. And so this agape love then is a labor. It is a toiling. It requires effort, strenuous effort, on behalf of the husband as the husband seeks the good of his wife. This type of love requires the husband to exercise self-denial as he gives himself for and unto his wife. And we must understand this, beloved, because it helps guard against a misunderstanding. Misunderstanding is this. Sometimes it is lamented that God gives to the wife a more difficult calling than what He gives to the husband. God calls the wife to submit. Isn't that a pretty grievous burden that she must bear up under? And in comparison, God only requires the husband to love me? That seems pretty easy. Why does He give this more grievous burden to the wife that she has to submit all the days of her life? But then it seems He deals a relatively light hand to the husband that the husband only has to love me. If you know your own nature, wives, you'll know how difficult it is to love you. Further, if you understand what love is, what the duty is here that God requires of husbands, you will see that the duty to love is just as difficult as the duty to submit. And that becomes abundantly clear unto us when we see the love that Jesus Christ manifested toward the church. This biblical agape love is exemplified for us in the relationship of Jesus Christ with His bride, the church. Husbands are to love their wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. 
And so notice with me, first of all, that this love that Jesus Christ had for His church was a love that arose out of His will. He was determined to love the church. It was His choice to love the church. We do well to pause here and ask, why would Jesus Christ love the church? Why would Jesus Christ give Himself for her? Was there something so beautiful and so attractive in the church itself that as Jesus Christ from afar looked on the church that He thought to Himself, aha, because she is so beautiful, because she is adorned with white robes, because she has a radiant smile and is holy and righteous, therefore, I will love her. No. No, verse 27 describes here what Jesus Christ does to the church. He presents it to Himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And the very fact that Jesus Christ is the one who has to transform the church so that she becomes without spot or wrinkle, teaches unto us that the church by nature is filled with spots and with wrinkles. There is nothing attractive about the church naturally. There is nothing in the church itself that would draw Jesus Christ unto the church. So why then, if the church was not beautiful of herself, why would Jesus Christ love her? The answer cannot be found in the church. There is nothing in the church that makes her desirable. But where is the answer found? It's in Christ. It is because of the will of Christ, which was in harmony with the will of His Father, that Jesus Christ chose the church. And then, we said that this agape love is not just a Determination to seek someone, but it's also this, it's work. It's toiling on behalf of that person. And that's what Jesus Christ did. As Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Gave Himself. It's a remarkable phrase here. That He gave Himself means literally, that He handed Himself over. He delivered Himself over for the church. The same word is used throughout the Scriptures to speak of a betrayal. It's what Judas Iscariot did with that kiss in the Garden of Gethsemane. He betrayed Jesus Christ, and in betraying Jesus Christ, gave Jesus over unto the soldiers. 
And so that helps us understand then what it means to give oneself, that Jesus gave Himself. It means that Jesus subjected His will and His desires unto the will and desires of someone else. Instead of Jesus Christ insisting on His own personal wants and desires, instead of Jesus Christ insisting on His freedoms and His independence, Jesus Christ gave Himself over for the church. He gave Himself over to the point of death. Ephesians 5, verse 2, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. That's agape love. Seeking someone else so much that you are willing to give up everything, even your own life, for the good of that individual. And now God says, husbands, that's your calling. You are to die to the desires of your flesh, and you are to give yourself daily unto your wife. Let us look here at that word, wife. That's the one to whom the husband is to direct his love to his wife. Your wife. Husbands love your wives. Part of keeping this calling is that you do not direct your agape love to another man's wife. You do not direct your love to another man's unmarried daughter. You are to love your wife. This means that there is a certain exclusiveness in the married state. The husband has exclusive love for his wife. And so there are certain things then that the husband shares with his wife that he does not share with anyone else. He does not open up his home to other husbands' wives. He does not take other women into his home on his cell phone. It means that even the language that he uses is guarded. Husbands and wives will oftentimes have a language that reveals 
their affection, their love one for another. And the husband is very careful not to use that type of language with anyone except his wife. Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives, husbands, because without her, you are incomplete. That's what Adam discovered in the beginning, did he not? When God commanded Adam to name the animals and they came before him two by two, then it became increasingly evident to him that there was not a help meet for him. And so he recognized, he felt within himself this fact that he was not not complete apart from a wife. And so God gave unto Adam the gift of a wife so that Adam would become complete. And so the husband must not imagine within himself that because I am so strong, because I am so independent that I don't really need my wife. Devil might work that way, you know. After all, I'm the breadwinner. I'm the one who takes care of earning an income for this home. I'm the strong one and the wife. She's the weaker vessel. And so I don't really need my wife and I can live my life quite fine independently of my wife. No, you are incomplete without her. God has given her to you to complete you. Love your wife. Love your wife who is by nature a sinner. And because she is a sinner, she has many spots and wrinkles and blemishes. And we speak now not of physical spots and wrinkles, but spiritual. She has a heart that by nature is spiritually deformed. She has a heart that by nature does not beat with the steady rhythm of biblical submission unto her head. The Word of God does not say here to husbands that they are to who only love their wives when their wives are being submissive. God does not say here that the husband can put forth conditions and he's only going to love his wife when she makes him happy, when she makes him feel fulfilled and satisfied. But if she doesn't, then he is going to withdraw his love from her. Love her even with her spiritual spots and wrinkles. Love her even as Jesus Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. Your love for her is in no way dependent upon her submissiveness but rather her submissiveness will follow your love 
for her. Would you have her respect you, honor you, then love her. And as you love her, she will want to submit to you. But how practically does the Christian husband fulfill the calling of this text to love his wife? And I believe we must be very careful here for the reality is there are countless different ways in which a man is called to love his wife. And even to begin to enumerate different ways in which the husband is called to love her runs the risk of letting this idea of love become a checklist. As long as I can check off all these boxes then I fulfilled the command of this text. The husband is called to show love to his wife by providing for her, by not being bitter against her as the weaker vessel. He is called to love her by understanding her, by giving honor unto her, by praying with her. He is called to love his wife by being involved in the home life, Involved in the rearing up and the training of the children. So many and so varied are the ways that the husband is to show his love unto his wife that there is no way that we can do justice to all of the ways. I encourage you, husbands and wives, to make this a matter of conversation. Ask your wives, husbands, how? you can love her more faithfully. But for now, we focus on two ways, especially that the husband is to love his wife, and I believe these most clearly arise out of the text. The husband is to love his wife, number one, by giving himself for her, and number two, by giving Himself to her. Important prepositions there. Love your wife by giving yourself for your wife and love your wife by giving yourself unto your wife so that you move closer and closer unto her in marriage. Love your wife, first of all, husbands, by giving yourself for her. Again, this is exemplified in the love of Jesus Christ who gave Himself for the church. In Jesus' case, He gave up His physical life. He died that accursed death upon the cross for His bride. The calling that God gives to us as husbands is not that we simply be willing to sacrifice our lives for our husbands. Most men are willing to do that. Even worldly men are willing to do that. It is not necessarily a sign of being a true child of God that a husband is willing to sacrifice his life in the place of the wife. But, when we say here that the calling is to give yourself for your wife, what this means, beloved, is that daily 
you strive to provide for your wife. This is a serious calling, and this is a difficult calling that God has given to you as husbands. How serious is this calling to provide for your wives? It's so serious that if you don't do it, you are worse than an infidel. 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. Laboring for your wife does not mean then that your calling is finished as soon as you punch out at the end of the workday. But in many ways, that calling to provide and give yourself for your wife becomes heightened when you come home after work. Give yourself for your wife in the home. This means that the father and husband has a duty with regard to rearing up the children. The marriage form that we use in the back of our Psalter speaks of the duty of the husband being that he maintain his home honestly. We mustn't imagine in our heads that that's the wife's duty to take care of the home. No, according to our own marriage form, the husband has an important role in maintaining the home honestly. Give yourself for your wife. And then, secondly, give yourself to your wife. Christ did this for the church. He gave Himself up on the cross, not so that He could get away from the church, but He gave Himself up on the cross exactly so that He and the church could come together. It comes out here in verse 27. Starting in verse 26, that He, Christ, might sanctify and cleanse it, the church, with the washing of the water by the Word. Why? That He might present it to Himself a glorious church. That's why Christ went through all of the suffering and the agony and ultimately the death and descent into hell so that He could present to Himself the church. He loved the church with such a deep love that He longed for that church to be with Him and to be taken up into glory and there to enjoy the goodness that the Father has for the bride of Jesus Christ. And so, all of the laboring of Jesus Christ was with this view that He might get closer and closer unto the church until the church, taken up by His almighty arms, are gathered unto Himself. And so husbands, you do well to ask yourself then this question, am I laboring so that I might be with my wife? Or am I laboring as an excuse to get away from 
her. The Word of God calls husbands to dwell with their wives. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. A man man might have a list of excuses as to why he cannot be working toward his wife. And toward the top of the list of excuses oftentimes heard is, I'm too busy. Work summons me. I have heavy and important responsibilities at work, and so because of work, it's I gotta be away from you. I can't I can't dwell with you here as it's required in the Word of God. Is that a legitimate argument? One person put it to me this way. He said, at work, you are replaceable. In your home, you are not. So why do you view your work as if it is more important than your marriage and your family? Give yourself unto your life. This requires of the husband then that he set up boundaries in his life. There's a time to work, and there's a time not to work. Every man understands that work is, work is never ending. There always is another task that could be done perhaps even should be done. There always are more things that we wish we could give our time and attention to. And they could be good things, noble things. The reality is this earth has come under the curse and thus there's crookedness all around us. And so man might feel very much that burden to take that which is crooked and make it straight. But when you make one crooked thing straight, then the next thing is going to be crooked, broke, need attention. At some point, the man has to face the reality that he has limitations. There's only so much work that one can do. And then my calling is to be done with that work for now and dwell with my wife in an understanding way. Who is able to love the way God calls us here to love with this agape, selfless, self-denying 
love. Husbands need grace, for we of ourselves cannot even begin to keep this commandment. There are times where we admit to our shame that we do not even want to keep this commandment. There are times where the devil can get such a grip on our hearts and on our souls that we think that we would be better off simply ignoring the cries of our wife. And then when we do understand this calling and we want to obey it, then who is able to perform it? We lack the wisdom that is needed to love our wives. We lack the sensitivity to, their, to understanding their nature that is needed. We are by nature quite stubborn. And so we cannot of ourselves keep this commandment. And then when at times when we are hit with, overwhelmed with the reality that we cannot keep this command to love our wives. And then the devil comes in right at that moment and tempts us to think it's not even worthy of trying it. Just give it up. You've been a miserable husband for the last number of years. Why even try to turn things around now? Just stop. And it's at that moment beloved, that we as husbands need the grace of God. We need the truth that Jesus Christ loved the church. And included in that church is you and me and all of God's children. And Jesus Christ loved that church so much that He died for her and He freely gives unto her His own righteousness. And so when the husband is overwhelmed with the feelings of his own inability and thus guilt of failing to love even as Jesus Christ loved, then may God grant unto us as husbands the knowledge of the forgiveness of our sins in Christ. But more broadly, we all need grace, not just husbands, but every one of God's children needs grace, for we all fall short of loving the neighbor. You see, this command here that Jesus, rather that Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, gives unto husbands, is a command that elsewhere in Scripture is given more generally. The command is, Love. And you know already that that is the great commandment that Jesus Christ gave unto His church. Love. Love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor as thyself. This is what Jesus Christ calls every one of His children to do is to love one another with this selfless, self-denying love one toward another. 
And who of us, male or female, young or old, can say, yes, I have exemplified that type of love. I have denied my own wants and desires because I am so concerned about seeking the good of the neighbor whom God has put in my life. And as we go through this week of self-examination, we will, I trust, by the operation of the Spirit within our hearts, see more and more how we have failed to keep this great commandment. And so as the Spirit convicts us of our brokenness, that we are filled with many spots and with many wrinkles, may the Spirit then draw us unto this house where we might receive the means of grace that God has given unto us, including the administration of the Lord's Supper. We come to the Lord's table next week, not because we are perfect of ourselves at exemplifying the love of Christ, but we come with the faith that receives the perfect work of Jesus Christ as being sufficient for my salvation. Christ gave Himself for the church that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. Amen. Let us pray. Our God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee that we might be members of the body of Christ, of His flesh, and of His bones. Father, wilt Thou give unto us the knowledge that we are Thine, and that we then are to arrange our lives according to the teaching of Thy Word, Enable us as husbands to live out the love required of us by Thee. Forgive us, whether male or female, of the sins which we have committed against Thee. Pardon our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen.